0: Welcome to episode 121 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below, and thank you so much for choosing to spend this time with me. Whether this is your first or your 121st episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, and maybe even change your life. This episode is in the form of a blog cast, which is essentially a solo podcast during which I share something that first existed in writing, and now is shared with you here. You can find the full text of the post on my website, theintrovertentrepreneur.com. You'll also find links at the start of the post to various things that I want you to know about, such as my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, and upcoming virtual book groups and mastermind groups that will be rolled out in the early fall. So here's the story behind today's blogcast. About a year ago, I took some time to step back and review blog posts of the past seven years. I was looking for themes that transcended my focus on introverts. And what I noticed didn't surprise me. I tended to take counterintuitive against the conventional wisdom stands on certain topics, whether I was inviting you to embrace your comfort zone or shun the just-do-it approach to taking action. What does surprise me is that this going-against-the-grain hasn't always been how I've described myself. I have always been a follow-the-rules, color-inside-the-lines kind of person. And it's true, I did break a few rules now and then growing up, but not many, and not nearly as many as some people I know. (laughs) You know who you are. (laughs) Maybe I'm making up for lost time now by trying to see how many rules I can break and get away with it. And not only get away with it, but even succeed more than I would have if I had followed those rules. As introverts in an extrovert-leaning society, we are almost always going against the grain. To be an entrepreneur and an introvert means to go even that much more against the conventional wisdom. So perhaps it makes total sense that I've now embraced my rebellious side. This blogcast is an invitation for you to do the same. I'm going to share 14 counterintuitive approaches to building a business, all of which have worked for me and my coaching clients over the years. I can't claim that these are groundbreaking ideas that you've never heard before, but my intention is that you will hear these ideas and use them as an opportunity to question different aspects of your business, especially those that have been consistent or even stagnant over a long period of time. As I've shared on here before, I'm doing that with my podcast right now. Next week, which will be the first week of July 2016, I'll be attending my first podcast movement conference. While I'm releasing expectations so that I can be open to what shows up, I do anticipate coming away with new ideas that will inform the direction of this podcast and how it serves you. In addition to that, I'm excited to see people I've not seen in a while or even ever met in person. I'll get to visit with my friend, Dave Stehoviak of the Coaching for Leaders podcast, as well as a former client who lives in the Chicago area, a friend from my time living in Michigan, and my best friend since the fourth grade who lives in Louisville, but just happens to be visiting Chicago the same days that I am. And there's where I'm grateful for social media and especially Facebook for helping us make that connection. I've not seen this friend in almost 10 years, and we happen to be staying at hotels that are a 15 minute walk from each other. I really can't wait to see her and everyone else next week. If you want to be part of the fun, Dave Stehoviak and I are hosting an informal meetup at The Bean on July 7th. You can learn about the details on his website, coachingforleaders.com/slash Chicago. And without further ado, here are my 14 counterintuitive ways to grow your business. There's no shortage of advice on how you quote unquote should build your business. Common sense, you should do this advice can be useful in the beginning. At some point, however, things start to shift, and what worked on day one doesn't necessarily work on day 1000. You might remember that 1994 episode of Seinfeld, it was called The Opposite, when George decided to do the exact opposite of what his instincts were telling him, and most of the time it worked. Well, we're going to embark on our own journey of opposites, exploring a few business development ideas that turn conventional wisdom on its head. Number one, be vulnerable. Never let them see you sweat, right? Choosing vulnerability in your business doesn't mean burying our souls or opening ourselves up to attack. It does mean that we give ourselves space to be human According to author and vulnerability researcher Brene Brown, vulnerability is the heart of relationship and connection. She defines it as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And that sounds a bit like entrepreneurship for me. As you allow for vulnerability in a healthy way, you'll form deeper connections with your clients and the people you serve. People do business with people, not perfection. And after all, a little sweat never killed anyone. Number two, promote your competition. Unless your ideal customers are women named Iris who were born on December 5th in a leap year, chances are high that there are tens of thousands, if not millions, of people who would be a good match for your business and what you have to offer. And how can one person possibly serve them all? How can hundreds... Rather than see your similarly niched peers as competition, see them as colleagues. Release any scarcity mentality and recognize that there's enough for everyone. Some ways you can do that are to swap blog posts, podcast interviews and articles, share their posts and their tweets, and trust that your voice is different enough that you'll attract exactly the right people to you. Number three, limit social media social media is both the best gift to introverts and entrepreneurs and the biggest time waster ever invented we tend to place a lot of emphasis on our online presence sometimes to the detriment of our offline relationship building it can be tempting to lean on social media and by extension email and texting for all of our communication instead of actually picking up the phone walking down the hall or meeting for coffee We also fail to recognize that even if we've spent an entire day quote-unquote alone, but have been active on social media, we really haven't been alone. We've engaged in social interaction to a degree that exceeds most in-person events. The constant information flow and virtual conversations can be as energetically exhausting as the average networking event. So here's my suggestion. Use social media strategically as a catalyst for in-person connection rather than see it as an end in itself. Resist the bright, shiny social media objects that enter your orbit almost every day. Stick to the strategy and platforms that give you the most return. Social media is a great way to pace yourself and connect with anywhere from one to thousands of people on your own terms with just a click but be mindful of when it's serving as a substitute for human contact. Number four, don't sell. If you're an entrepreneur, you're in sales. What the best salespeople know is that the sales process isn't about the financial transaction we often get stuck around. It's about listening, curiosity, and educating. After that, it's about problem solving, influencing, and making another person's life a little easier. Few people enjoy being sold to, but everyone appreciates and remembers the person who listened to them and then solved their problems. Here's how I like to approach it. Let go of making the sale and exchange it with sincere curiosity. Invite others to learn about your solution. If it's the right fit, the sale will happen without any hard sell at all. Number five, make it easy for people to say no. Do you define your ideal client as anyone with a pulse? Are you worried that if you limit your market, you'll leave out countless people that you could otherwise help? If so, you're wasting precious time, energy, and resources trying to be all things to all people, and thereby being little to nothing for anyone. Ideally, prospective customers will visit your website, scan your social media, or read your blog, and they'll quickly feel a resonance or a dissonance with you. So to that end, give people clear information that makes it easy to self-select in or out. This way, you'll spend most of your resources on your ideal prospects and convert more of them to customers. Number six, don't betray your excitement. One of my coaching colleagues has a memorable way of making this particular point. He says, be the hot girl at the dance. The hot girl knows she's hot. She doesn't follow people around hoping someone will throw her a bone. So play it cool when you receive an inquiry. It's a fine line between professional enthusiasm and over the top flattery. One cultivates a peer to peer relationship and the other smacks of desperation. So here's how you might do that. Show genuine interest and gratitude, but refrain from gushing about how you'd be thrilled, super excited, or absolutely love to work with someone. This doesn't mean that we don't show some enthusiasm, certainly, but be careful about going a little bit over the top and especially the gushing part. Number seven, don't reply too quickly. Do you check your email, voicemail, blog comments, or social media every few minutes? And then, at the first sign of life, do you jump to respond? At 2 a.m. on a Sunday morning? Stop the badness! Responding immediately to communications, day and night, sends a message that you have nothing more productive to do than wait for the notification ding to ring. This is where it's important to establish some healthy professional boundaries around your time and don't train people to expect you to be responsive 24-7 unless that's your business model. You do want to be timely and respectful but you also need to be respectful of your own time and have that boundary so that you have something that's sustainable for yourself. Number eight, focus on one-to-one. When I'm coaching my introvert clients, we often talk about getting the most bang for our energetic buck when reaching out to people. We look for highly efficient one-to-many communication strategies. And yet, while it's much more labor-intensive to meet with people one-on-one, it can actually yield a higher return. Because if you're being very specific with those conversations, you're focusing on mutual champions with whom you have a strong synergy And champions don't keep the good news about you and your business to themselves. They tell two friends, and then they tell two friends, and so on, and so on. Here's a challenge for you. Identify five champions and commit to a conversation that happens within the next month. Exchange information that makes it easy to spread the word about each other's businesses. Number nine, focus on one-to-many. Yes, I am contradicting myself, but this is a both-and situation, not an either-or. When it comes to the services you provide, one-to-one isn't necessarily the best model for an introvert entrepreneur. We can quickly burn out if we're only reaching one person at a time with our work, especially if the model equates to trading time for money. And... I'm recalling the Psychology Today article from several years ago by Laurie Helgo, where she talks about this very thing of not necessarily time for money, but it being exhausting as a psychiatrist to be seeing people one-on-one, every day, back-to-back. So if you want to hear a little bit more about that perspective, I do recommend that article, and I will link to it in the show notes. And as an introvert, I do see time as money. And so that means I'm trading energy for money, and that's only sustainable if I find efficient ways to do it. This is one reason why I balance my one-on-one coaching schedule with one-to-many revenue-generating activities such as podcasting, writing, virtual book groups, masterminds, and public speaking. This is an opportunity for you to take a look at your business. If your revenue-generating activities primarily happen one-to-one, look at additional ways that you can serve a larger audience. In addition to the ways I just mentioned, such as writing or public speaking, you can teach online classes, offer webinars, conduct in-person trainings, or create passive income through downloadable information products on your website. Find inspiration through a bit of research on the websites of your colleagues to see what their business model looks like. Number 10, release expectations of success. Setting specific goals is an integral part of any business strategy. However, we can become very attached to those goals, thinking that they are the true and only definition of our success. Then every move we make becomes a win or a loss, good or bad. We end up judging each experience and ourselves rather than learning from it. I'll take this opportunity to share my favorite guiding mantra, I'm open to outcome, not attached. And I extend that mantra to you. Be open to a range of outcomes. Some will be better than you can imagine, most not nearly as terrible as you might dread. Release attachment to exactly how you'll get there or what it will look like. A magical thing happens when you release strict expectations. Failure evaporates and you're left with valuable information that you can learn from and build on. Number 11, have a beginner's mind. As entrepreneurs, we're expected to be experts in our chosen field, but many times we might only be a few steps ahead of our clients and customers. To keep that edge and confidence, we must keep learning. We must be willing to be the student, to have a beginner's mind, even about things that we feel like we know inside and out. Otherwise, we become complacent and eventually irrelevant. To help keep things fresh, take refresher courses, attend workshops and conferences, and read the latest books with the same curiosity you had when you were just starting out. Innovation happens when we set aside what we think we know and see things with fresh eyes. Number 12 give it away we can gather a lot of information and build our lists by offering certain products or services for free for a limited time you might be thinking but what about the revenue we'll be missing don't people value what they pay for it's true we'll be sacrificing some revenue and people won't be as invested in our business that said when done intentionally strategically and for a carefully selected period of time Giving it away expands our reach and allows for idea testing. Just make sure each giveaway is appealing to potential buyers and ideal clients, not just people who love free stuff. Free should serve as an easy point of entry into doing business with you. Number 13, don't give it away. Wait, didn't you just say to give it away? Yes, I did. But if we do it for too long without a clear plan, or even if we do it strategically but for too long, we condition the market to expect that item for free. We inevitably undermine the value of what we, and by extension our peers, have to offer. We respect ourselves, our business, our colleagues, and our customers when we provide ample opportunities for a mutual exchange of value. This is an invitation to believe with no room for doubt in the value of your offer people will surprise you by stepping up and responding to your confidence with their commitment. And number 14, stop shaming your comfort zone. I'm closing this post with what might be the most counterintuitive statement of all. So I'm going to spend a bit more time unpacking this idea than I did the other ones. Google the words comfort zone and the vast majority of results are all about getting out, stepping out and crushing it. Over time, particularly in our type A, high achieving, go big or go home culture, the idea of being in one's comfort zone has been maligned and shamed. It's seen as a place of stagnation and sloth. It's certainly not a place where highly successful people hang out for very long, if at all. Forgive my language, but I call BS. Our comfort zone plays a powerful role, especially for introverts, in our sustainability and happiness as entrepreneurs, leaders, colleagues, and friends. The true definition of comfort zone is, quote, a place or situation where one feels safe or at ease and without stress. For the introvert entrepreneur, our comfort zone is both a soft landing and a launching pad. I see value in honoring our comfort zone from two perspectives. It's where we recharge and it's where we find our footing. Let's look at it as our fuel up station. Our comfort zone is that recharging station. It's where we replenish our energy. There's space for bold ideas and new connections to take root and grow. And why is that? It's because we're not overstimulated by the stress we feel when we are in unfamiliar territory. There's a sense of freedom in our comfort zone. We're not on high alert and can be alone with our thoughts, things, people, and places that feel like home. With the energy and ideas that are born in our comfort zone, we can then stretch without breaking. Your recharging station is anywhere you feel free and relaxed. It might entail walking in the woods, staring at the water, spending time with pets, exercising, meditating, coloring, journaling daydreaming, or even napping. In our go-go-go world, these nourishing activities often take a backseat to being productive. My experience? I come up with my best ideas and amplify my courage when I'm in my personal comfort zone, minus the distractions, stress, and silly societal pressure to go big or go back to bed. In looking at it as our launching pad, it's where we find our footing and take those baby steps everyone always says are so important. Here's an example. You wanna start a blog, knowing that it will be a great way to engage with your clients and customers. So many questions though. What platform to use? How often to post? What topics to write about? Where to promote it? How to engage your readers? Depending on your strengths, the entire endeavor can be way outside your comfort zone. It's easy to become paralyzed by the discomfort and confusion, so the start blogging to-do item is recycled week after week, month after month. This is where the comfort zone is your friend. Without the external, you should be doing this, messages, there's space to ask, what are you most comfortable with? What's a reasonable, set yourself up for success baby step? It might be researching platforms. You could brainstorm a list of topics without censoring or thinking about the details. Many people find comfort in structure, so you could set some simple parameters. One post, 300 words, 60 minutes, one main point to make or piece of information to share, and write with one person in mind, preferably your ideal reader. Remember, you don't have to tell your life story, cover every possible angle, or write the next Pulitzer Prize winning article. By stripping the activity down to its essence and temporarily suspending your emotional attachment to an outcome, you can increase comfort enough to break the paralysis. When it comes to baby steps, I find comfort and inspiration in the words of St. Francis of Assisi, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible. And suddenly, you're doing the impossible. It's time to think about the comfort zone in a new language. Perhaps if we refer to our comfort zone as home base, base camp, or a rest stop, it would remind us of the healthy necessity of spending time there. We would never go on a journey without taking timeouts to rest and refuel. So why do we send out messages that if you're not going big or living on the edge all the time, you're taking up space? This does not mean that we should avoid any and all situations that bring us fear, stress, or discomfort. The comfort zone should be part of the journey, not the final destination. However, we will experience more success in those stretch situations if we first honored our introvert need to recharge and take baby steps within the quiet and friendly confines of our comfort zone. In closing, I'd like to share that as entrepreneurs, we always have to question the status quo. As Christopher Reeve put it, never accept ultimatums, conventional wisdom, or absolutes. Take advice and common knowledge with a grain of salt. Sit with it long enough to draw your own conclusion. Learn to listen to your intuition, especially if it's counter to everyone else. Before I sign off, I'd like to share a few reminders. If you're a listener in the Chicago area and want to connect with me and my friend Dave at The Bean on July 7th, visit his website at coachingforleaders.com Chicago for the details. And on my website, theintrovertentrepreneur.com, you'll find more information about my book, my coaching services, and those upcoming virtual book groups and masterminds that are forming in the coming months. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with friends and colleagues and to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform you access it from. Your review helps others discover this podcast, so I thank you very much in advance for your consideration. As always, a very special thank you to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and to you for choosing to spend this time with me. This is Beth B. of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.